I don't know. I have lost a bit of something, and now my jeans are actually falling down. You want some jeans? I'll buy some jeans. No, because the Hello, thing is... Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast all about board games, card games, and all the other games you can play in your very own house. I just need to get more to... More trousers. No, because if I... If it have you comes back on... Have you considered belts? If... Mm. We have got so much for you uh, this time. We've got the games we've been playing this month. We're going to cover that. We're going to cover the best reader question we've ever received. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's true. Yes. I, I went to Board Game GeekCon uh, in Texas, Texas. Uh, last month, and Paul's going to ask me how that was. Lots of gossip, and I'm gossip. not even kidding. Really? Yeah. And um, and okay. then we've got our game of the month, which is a secret game that uh, we're going to be discussing in detail. Well, that Paul doesn't like very much. Well, hang on. Why are you grumpy, Paul? Look, look, it's fine. Why can't it's you fine. have some fun? It's fine. We've got a list. Just we should go through the list. A little bit of fun. Before my jeans fall down. Okay. Um, so we're standing to do this. We're standing. We do. A uh, secret about the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast is we do stand. Really need to, I can't stop fidgeting. That's okay. Well, it's like me last week. I was just gyrating my hips. So uh, let's talk. Let's just go through some of the games we've been playing this month. Uh, and let's talk about... Uh, well, you did a solo review of Freedom while I was away, didn't you? I did, and I played that a bit more solo. Um, and that's a thing that we want to touch on a little on this podcast, isn't it? Some solo play. Yeah, so why don't you quickly describe Freedom for the... Very quickly, because you just did your review, and it was lovely and very serious. Uh, thank you. Uh, Freedom is a game about trying to liberate slaves from plantations in southern in the southern United States and get those people to Canada. And also try and abolish slavery generally by raising money and campaigning. And it's quite a desperate kind of game. Yeah, I, I'm just going to sort of let people peek behind the curtain. When I was in America, I received an email from Paul saying, um, saying I, I'm, I'm trying to do this review. Is it okay if it has no jokes in it? Yeah. Uh, and I was like, no. But yeah, but we worked our way around uh, that. that was yeah. Good. And uh, the suggestions that that you sent, and that the board with life people sent as well, all yes. Actually the joke appeared. at the beginning, uh, full uh, flourishing, is a joke from the board with life guys who I was hanging yeah. out with. So thanks for that. You saved our skin. So, but, but I, I think hopefully it worked. Hopefully the right kind of tone kind of happened. Yeah. Well, you. But yeah, you played it solo. You managed to play it solo. Didn't yes. You? As so well. this is interesting now because I reviewed Phantom Leader ages yes, back, you did. which is. A solo game about commanding planes in the Vietnam War, <laughs> part of a big series. He's actually just done, I think, Cthulhu, a Cthulhu expansion for it, which I thought was like an April Fool's, but it's not. You do control strike craft against Cthulhu and weird airborne That's things. good, because there aren't very many board games with Cthulhu in. No, it's good. I've been telling people that. Um, I uh, wish there were more. Well, we're I wish gonna, people would gonna, keep we're making gonna, more. We're going to cover one later. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, no, but I, I, in that review, joked that why play a solo board game because you could just play a video game um do you feel the same way no no no, no. you don't really no i don't because the thing is um i mean yeah there's yes you can play some video games but those video games won't be the same as as those board games they'll be different games but it's not just that it's not the fact that they're different the main thing for me is i don't want to say cheat but you can do a lot of things when you, you play. Can just, you can just ignore the rules. That... You can fiddle around with things, and you can customize things, and you can play wow. about with stuff. I wasn't. And there's a freedom that. to to do that. To even if you just rename a pilot Paul, like you did in that review, or something like that, or if you decide to make the game a bit harder for yourself, or a bit easier, or you self-impose some kind of rule. Yeah, it's really easy to do with a board game. Now you've got me thinking because I really was against solo board games, but actually, you know, you are free to customize them, you aren't are. you? You, I could I, in the review I played Phantom Leader chewing a cigar and listening to you know <laughs> at the end, um, but uh, you could do that. You could kind of try and make a game more atmospheric, harder, easier. Do you want to do that? Would you feel like doing that? No, okay. but it's it's about as good an argument as I've ever had for solo board games is the, the mod kit nature of them. But yeah, for me, board games are so much about interacting with people at the table. That's the element yeah. of uh, design that I thrill at, you know, and you can hang out with your friends and, and you can put your worker on a place that they want and watch them swear. And but so, yeah, solo board games, it's like all that setup, learning the rules you know, video games are so good these days. They are incredible. Yeah. Well, that's... I don't know. That's the thing with board gaming to some degree. You're always going to have to learn the rules at the start. Once that's done, that's done. Uh, I always enjoyed... I know we're not, we're not going to talk about it too much because we've covered it a bunch of times, but Dungeon Quest, the earlier edition I had when I was younger, and I've got the Fantasy Flight edition now, and uh, you can... Should something awful happen in Dungeon Quest, which it frequently does... You can still kind of go, oh, well, you know, what would have happened if that was just a bit different? If that axe hadn't fallen on my head, yeah. <laughs> you could rewind it And you it do slightly. have the, the freedom to undo. Mm. 
Control Z or whatever it is. Okay, well, all right. So, so, in which case, the jury's now out on uh, Solo Game. The jury's not out? How's that phrase going? I don't know. We don't don't use juries in the UK. We just just hang people. Judge and execution. And drown them sometimes. Drown them in a lake. Um, uh, What else have I played? I played a few, a couple of interesting things here while I was in Texas. Not yes. at Board Game Geek Con, so this doesn't cross over the future. Oh, really? Uh, it was at Boarded Lives House. Uh, they I, just live in one big house, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, the in only beds. house in Texas. Yes, because uh, everyone else lives in oil derricks like bats. They hang upside down for them. It's amazing <laughs> the things I've seen. Um, yeah, so I played One Night Werewolf is one thing I've played. Ah, so we've actually just been sent our review copy, but I'll talk about it now anyway. Cause, yeah, okay. whatever. One Night Werewolf is interesting. It's like the Resistance tried to build a game of Werewolf without player elimination by yeah. essentially... I should clarify, Werewolf, if you've been living under a rock forever, is a game where you and a bunch of people um, are... Some of you might be werewolves, some of you might be villagers, and then secretly the werewolves select people to kill and you argue about who to lynch and who's a werewolf and who's not. Um, which has a problem, which is that players get killed and then have to spend the rest of the game hating their friends. Watching things happen, which can be quite it, a while. It can be entertaining, and it can be quite a while. Um, so like Quinn's. Yes. What? What's different about One Night Werewolf? Well, One Night Werewolf has a Cthulhu theme. No, oh, f- no I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were serious. No, it, it One Night Werewolf lasts one night. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a couple of other different rule tweaks, mostly to do with the roles. Um, so, like, the thing that that messes it up is you're probably going to be playing with people like the troublemaker and the I forget the mimic I can't remember the names exactly but essentially when everyone closes their eyes and the werewolves open their eyes you get things like troublemaker swap two roll cards that aren't your own or other, and then see a look at someone else's roll card. So that makes the puzzle really interesting because rather than the werewolf thing of well he's acting shifty let's kill him um, which is a horrible lesson for anybody to, to learn from that game one Night Werewolf has a weird thing where somebody goes, okay, I'm the doppelganger, I swapped with him, which and if he if the seer says you're a werewolf, that means I'm now a werewolf, so you should, oh shit, wait, if I'm a werewolf, then don't kill him. Uh, and, and trying to remember what team you're on? And when you throw in things like the Tanner who wants to die, or like the Masons who know who one another are, but then the troublekeeper sw- the troublemaker swaps things, it, it's, yes. it's odd. And fundamentally, it's like the roles, the ro- the roles are all there, to create an awesome round of werewolf, the kind of stuff that only would happen organically one in every ten rounds in yeah. a regular game of werewolf. Instead, it's like, all the rolls are there, the puzzle's right there, go. And then as soon as that round's over, you reset and do it again. So that's great. Hmm, okay. It, it was, it, it's just really strong. Frankly. And you had a really good time. I, it was good. I think I enjoyed it more than regular werewolf, but it, it was just less exhausting and much more of a game. Because werewolf is like... The way Matt Lee's, uh, you know, the open up friend of ours, Shut up, sit down, remember, does it is he fills the room with candles and he plays seriously and you play werewolf all night, which makes it a very serious and exhausting process. Yeah. One night werewolf is actually just fantastic for we're gonna play this for twenty minutes, put it away and then play something else. You know, it's so light, so lovely, and you're gonna have fun with it every time. Probably. Did you once you'd done a game, did you want to immediately do another game? Yeah, well we played like six games in a row, um, including just yeah, being the tanner is so interesting because it means you have to pretend to be the werewolf, but also obviously try and hide it because people know the tanner's there. And and I don't know, interesting stuff. Okay, uh, that sounds good. It was good. Um, and then I'm going to quickly cover one other game I played. Then we can go back to talking about a game. What was it? Uh, coup. Coup. So coup. 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 coup has been getting a lot. That was weird. Has been getting a lot of uh, hype. Have you caught any of this? Were you, no, uh, I feel really bad. No, I don't know. it's fine. Uh, it, 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 it's okay. Uh, Coup is now being published by Indie Balls and Cards. You make the Resistance. They've themed it in the world of the Resistance. It's a game they picked up from yeah. another designer. Okay. Um, but it is... Well, you played Masquerade. Yes. So Masquerade, very good. which is very good from uh, Bruno's Fight Duty, is a game where everyone has a secret role in front of them and then you swap them and people can claim to be something but they don't know what they are. It's almost like a sort of... A game of hidden roles, but where the roles are constantly changing in a kind of masked ball style. So and you try and manipulate that as much as you can. Yes, by doing things like having everyone believe you're the king, using the king's power to make loads of money, and then at the end, revealing that you're actually the, the cheat to win early or something. Yeah. Um, it's very clever. Coup is that. You've got two roles in front of you who are characters you have influence with. You're trying to make enough money to knock out all the other characters um, by essentially not murdering them, but squandering their power. And coup is a lot like Masquerade. You might claim, I'm the Duke. And then you... Or like, let's say I want to take two gold, mm-hmm. which is foreign aid. You might yeah. say, I'm the Duke. 
I block that. Or well, one of my characters is the Duke. Then I have to go, and the whole rule that powers Q is essentially you've got these two cards in front of you. Those are basically your two lives. If you lose a life, you're half, you've got, lost half your power, you're halfway out of the game. If you lose the other one, you're just out. And Ku's thing is that if you don't believe someone is something, you can call them on it. And if you call them on it, and you're right, they were lying, they lose half their life. They lose half their influence. And if you were wrong, you lose... Yes, you lose half your influence. So it's just, it's the funniest game in the world, because someone will be like, I'm the captain, I'm stealing from you. And you'll say, no, I've got a captain, I block you. And you're both just staring at each other. Probably neither of you have captains. And you've got this farcical exchange where neither of you are confident enough to essentially pull the trigger. But neither of you have to declare. You can just you can say these roles, but you don't have to back them up. No, in no way. In a whole, in one round, there are five characters. In one round round the table, you might claim to have the duke, the captain, the assassin, the other people. Wow. And so people know you're full of shit half the time, but don't know really what you've got. It's very funny, very tactical. I enjoyed it so much. Uh, how, long, how long did the game take? Uh, probably about... Well, it goes up to a lot of players, but uh, maybe 25 minutes. Okay. It's pretty tense. That's like, quite quick as well, though. If people are saving up money, then they use the assassin, then you use the contessa to block that, then suddenly it's just it's just very tense. It's like, you know, uh, cut the cut the tension with a knife tense. Is that a real phrase? Yes, that, probably. Okay, yes. good. <laughs> no, that sounds good. That sounds also like something that I might like. No, you would love it. It's yeah. very good. It's like, it, it is as serious as Masquerade is silly, but they're both funny games. That sounds interesting. No, Q will be bringing you some kind of review probably in the future, or I'll fling it at Matt and make him do an opener, because it's great. Um, but mostly, 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 mostly this month, we've been playing science fiction-y card games. Uh, we have, because I played a lot of Race for the Galaxy and you've played a lot of Netrunner, oh, which is unusual, God. isn't it? It is. But the thing is, is that I, I was just talking a lot about Netrunner before. Now, But you came home and you just, something happened. Now I'm obsessed. You well, fell actually, off the wagon. shout out to, uh, what, what pushed me off the wagon was the Terminal 7 podcast. Uh, if you play Netrunner, you should absolutely listen to the uh, podcast Terminal 7, um, which is by a couple of friends, well, a friend of the show and some guy. Uh, <laughs> and um, it's fantastic. And the, but the, I was listening to it in America. I didn't mm-hmm. have my Netrunner cards. I was just like, oh, listen to this. And it's great because my experience with that kind of Netrunner podcast before was like this shipping news style thing of, and this person won a tournament. Yes. With one times Katie Jones. Um, <laughs> and, it, and I went for a... I did the worst thing. I went for a run with this podcast. Like, oh, this will be good. And then just I got about 10 feet and just dulcet tones <laughs> wore me down. But no, Terminal 7 is fantastic because these are people who are good at the game and who understand it, but who know that it's a funny game and know that it's a game and are playing and they're just thrilling at all the systems and constructs and rules. And they're joking and talking about mistakes they've made, and and that inspired that made me realise, oh god, no, my netrun has been going the wrong direction. I've been getting too competitive. Let's just play. And I got home and insisted to my friends actually, no, here's what we're not, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to build decks and show up and use them and have it all serious. We're going to show up on the day and build decks, and none of them will work, and we'll play. And it was awesome. Oh wow, it was so good. Um, so yeah, uh, netrun was very good. So have you? Is this now a permanent thing, or are you are you going to play seriously and play casually? I can. I th- well, I actually don't think they're mutually exclusive because okay. the great thing about Netrunner is that it's so based around hidden information. I mean, you've played it. Oh God! If if you're not aware, people, <laughs> Netrunner is a game. It's a it's a collectible card game where one player is a corporation, one player is a hacker, and you try to hack in and steal things. But what's great about it is it's so based on bluffing, and yes. the sort of the when you get when you start getting into it, the the game you play is you you know enough of the cards. It's like I can run on that safely because this guy is, you know, he's a haspyroid and if I have clicks time, then I can just spend time to get through the ice. So I'll be safe. And it's about card knowledge. So actually, you can be playful and still do really well because, like, last night I met up with strangers to play and I played a game, a card called False Echoes, which is kind of rubbish. But everyone around the table was like, what? Who plays with that? That's not, that's a crap card. And I said, and I was saying to them, okay, it's crap. I'm still going to use it now. I'm still going to beat you with it because you weren't expecting it. Yeah. Which is awesome. The really interesting thing about the, like the first few times that I played it, I, you've played it way, way more than I have. Yeah. Uh, but I've played it and I've enjoyed it. I think it's good. And even within, I think, two or three games of playing it, there were all kinds of, I don't know, there were card combinations that I spotted that I, I don't really know how good they are, but there were just <laughs> things that I wanted to try. I thought, well, you know, I can immediately see how this generates me a bunch of money and then this... Uh, repeats a previous power and then this allows me to do something if I can get these in the right order yeah 
then I, I will just hammer my opponent. And it's, I don't really know if that's going to work or how often that's going to work, but it, it's a game of kind of tools, and you do feel like, yeah. I want to try this combination. And it sounds like that's kind of a nice approach to have, to just throw everything in the pot and see how they fall out. Yeah, it's it's neat. And plus, you don't really know how a deck's going to work until you take it to, to friends and, and it loses over and over again. <laughs> but there is a funny thing, a playful thing to do with Netrunner, whereby... Uh, I remember last night we were talking about a piece of ice like a bullfrog yeah. and then people are like um, just saying weird stuff like oh, have you bullfrog into a whirlpool and then you <laughs> see like all the Netrunner players take on a far away look in their eyes and say like Netrunner into a whirlpool a bullfrog into a whirlpool into a Janus and then and it's just and it, these are combinations that are so farcical you would never get them off but just that the possibility is there and that if, if you play you're probably going to be able to do a combination of things that you couldn't do last game because there's just so many weird bits and moving yeah, parts yeah it's so reactionary but you've been playing a card game which is also sci-fi themed that is that is quite reactionary and colorful you've been playing race for the galaxy a lot which is a game that we reviewed ages ago in our sci-fi special which is kind of two years ago now jesus yeah that's two on vimeo summers. we can't uh we can't we've, we've done so many old terrible episodes when we didn't know how to use cameras and mics but um if we can't use them on our new site because we're a company now, and they have music we don't have the rights to. But if you go to our Vimeo page, you can still see them. You can indeed, but Which yes. Which might be we, illegal, don't know. I, we, I don't know. We're trying to be careful and do things the right way, aren't we? And uh, draw yes. lines. We're trying to do things as right as we can do with no knowledge of international law. Hey. But, uh, yeah, go to our site, especially if you want to see our Rest of the Galaxy review. But you're, you're, you've been playing so much. I've been month. playing a lot of it. We, we used to play a lot of it anyway, and we've always enjoyed it. And it's uh, a game that we gave a very, very strong review to. Uh, Race for the Galaxy is, I think, it's two to four players, isn't it? And it's a game of basically building up a tableau of planets that all have special well, powers. Planets and ideas planets and, and, and individuals and, and robots. And, and robots and galactic studios. And yeah, and the thing that I would always tell people about Race for the Galaxy is you draw a hand of cards, which are all these options, out of a huge deck, which is really a galaxy. You know, this mm. massive, massive deck of cards. Planets and asteroids. And, and every everything. card is unique. And... Um, but these cards are also your money, essentially. They are. So you put down something if you want to buy it, and then or invade it or whatever, and then you immediately discard all other the cards. Of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very much a game about making difficult choices all the time because of that, and it's also about as I've discovered playing more now because it. I've I've now won a game of Race for the Galaxy. Hooray! I can't remember whether we did that when we. I must have won like one game, but I've always been terrible at it. But. I'm realising now how many, especially with the expansions tossed in, how many different combinations you can put together that bounce off each other or tick off each other. And I used to think like a score in the 20s was quite a good score. Is it not? No. <laughs> because what people do is they get scores in the 40s and 50s and 60s where they put a tableau together where... Everything is they synergized. Things, yeah. And if you get a really efficient engine going that just pulls more cards out of the deck, you pull more of the cards that you want out and you yeah, throw them that, down. That fact that everyone just draws a oh. random hand of cards each time is so nice. Although I do like the hubris of Netrunner where uh, Magic the Gathering is very much, you know, you build a deck and you, you, you play with it and probably you beat people because it's a very good or very expensive deck. Whereas Netrunner has the lovely thing where someone will go, I've looked up this deck online, I'm going to beat the hell out of you with it. And you go, that's interesting because it's not compared. Like, well, people is... can trip themselves up by thinking they're prepared, which is almost as beautiful as Race for Galaxy's thing of nobody can be prepared, let's just go. Well, this is it. This is the thing. How much When you play Netrunner, obviously you played it way more than me, how much do you feel that whatever the draw order is affects what you do? It's very Because you luck... know what's in your deck. Yes, well, it's very luck-based, but then you can do things to mitigate that. Um... It's, I would say Netrunner's about uh, 30% deck construction, 40% how you play at the table, and then maybe 30% luck. Do you have a set plan when you sit down, or do you improvise based on what turns oh, up? Oh, well, that's, that's the beautiful... Well, it depends on the deck. Like, if you're going up against um, <laughs> an opponent who, like, for example, the Jintaki Corporation is a corporation that will essentially kill you if you're not careful, so you're going to have to play entirely differently. You're going to mm -hmm. have... If you want to be prepared for all possible opponents, you need cards in your deck that are going to be useless for some. Like, there's just one like set of Plascrete Carapace, which is like super cool cyberpunk body armor, that might just sit in my character's cupboard or mail order catalogue for the whole game and not be bought because it's irrelevant. But it has to be there. Do you feel disappointed when you've put specific things in your deck and you never get to use them? No, because if that in that one game in ten 
where you pull out you pull like out a foxfire or something, which is just an absurd seeker virus which flies off from the corporation and blows up something. And it, you're not going to use that nine times out of ten. But in the tenth game, okay. where you do it, and, and the runners just like, "What? You're going to play what? Nobody plays with that card." And you go, "No, I do," and it's just ruined you. Wow. It's beautiful. It's nice. I don't. It could be frustrating, I think. But I think there's a trap whereby if you built a deck and you played with it and then took it home because there was one thing that didn't work and change it, and then you play a game and you lose and you change that one thing that you're never going to make a deck that yeah, works because. Yeah. Your, something in your deck will always go wrong every game and that's part of the beauty of it yeah no that makes sense I think the the improvisation I guess has to be a key thing and that's hopefully that means I'm playing Race for the Galaxy correctly and that things just appear and I panic and then <laughs> panic settle a planet by you know paying for it and putting it down and then just plunk any development next to it I can think of because that's what I can afford right now and it kind of is relevant <laughs> I don't know I, so you've been just quickly before we move on then you, you've been playing enough of it this month do you feel like You've pe- stripped like an onion. You've stripped a layer off this game, and now yeah. you're in a more raw. So it's it's re- it's rewarding you for playing more of it. Yes, it is, and I'm seeing more ways to do things with it, and I'm understanding it better. I'm not very good at it. That's fine. Uh, well, that's fine. Um, it's weird though reviewing yes. board games because we well, you know, if we're lucky, we'll be able to play a game three, four times before we review it, and that's so difficult because you know some games will only reveal themselves ten, twenty times. So you have to, as a reviewer, kind of. Look some of the, the things we've played, we've played a hell of a lot. Some of the things we play a few times and we know it's good or bad. It's it, tough. you just got to have that sixth sense for this is clever. There is an enormous amount of hype around it. It's, it. I can visibly see how these systems would work if you were smart versus... I don't think there's that much. It's just a dark art at some point, being a critic. Well, there's no... Uh, there's the old Kieran Gillen thing of there's no point where a light comes on. Like, uh, you know, there... I'm trying to think of the... No, uh, yeah, you're playing like the, a game the, and suddenly the light, yeah, the light switches there on. There is and a go, red yep. light in the room and you, that light comes on at the moment that you have all yep. the experience necessary. Yeah, which might be 10 minutes into a game or it might be 10 hours or it might be 100 hours. Mm. You know, it's tricky games. Like Dota 2 is a game which... Oh, heavens. Yeah, I, I, Dota 2 is a PC game which I reviewed for Eurogamer, but I only got the review because I think I played 120 hours. And even for that, like, and I know friends of mine are like, who played 1,000 hours were going, Quinns doesn't know anything about this game. But Dota 2 is a monster piece. Should monster we, piece. Should we, I'd use that phrase all the time on the site. I like that. Um, yeah, so uh, should, we, should we cover my trip to Board Game Geek? Do you want to talk about your holiday? Hang on, I should record a sting here. Quinza's holiday sting. Oh my goodness. Settle down, everyone. I want your holiday reports out now. Smith, you're up first. Smith! Uh, okay, you went to Texas, you went to the BGG convention, the Board Game Geek convention. It was full of board game geeks. Uh, why did you go there? I, uh... Ah, that, that stumped you, didn't <laughs> that it? That wasn't the question I was expecting. Um, I went there because I got invited to talk at New York University's practice game convention, which is incredibly good. And I saw Rob Davio, creator of Risk Legacy, speak. Oh, wow. Very smart person. Um, and I also... Oh, I, should, I just want to talk about that now. And... The unbelievable <laughs> talk I saw about uh, a couple of people heavily involved in the Nordic LARP scene, live-action role-playing. No, I know, I know. I just, what? Hang on. This you, isn't a thing that you told me about before. Wait, the Nordic LARP thing? Any of this. Oh, well, they, I, it was just the most beautiful talk. They talked entirely about doing the Battlestar Galactica LARP, which they did in a, in a ship, a real-life ship. And it's wow. Now, it's now coming to America. Americans are trying to recreate all the work that they did. And it was just the most fascinating thing in the world. Like, they did things like... Um, they had characters dressed in red, and the rule was the players going into it were told, if you see a character dressed in red, you, your character can't see them. You can, but your character can't. To recreate that Battlestar Galactica yeah. thing of the, uh, I can't remember her name. Um, number uh, six. Number six in uh, Guy Boltar's head. So, you know, oh. characters might not see, for the whole first day role-playing, you might not see someone in red. And then this woman wearing a red jacket shows up and just starts talking to the like the admiral you're talking to. And you just have to be like, admiral. And can you hear me? Which it's just marvelous. And the thing that they even did, <laughs> they they had two friends who were twins and mm-hmm. dressed them both up in red. So in the final day, where the ship had been divided into people who were trying to steal the ship and then the loyal crew or whatever, wow, they had one of them in each section of the ship. And so the players would end up doing things like talking to each other and going, "Oh yeah, I saw that weird red guy." And then, no, he was in my section of the ship. You can't have done that. And players thinking they're going mad. Tons of beautiful stuff. But yeah, no, that was just the That's most amazing. That was the most amazing talk. And if you if you we we need to, we're going to cover the Nordic LARP scene next year on Shut Up It Sit Down because it's one of the most interesting oh. things happening in gaming. I'm gonna send Brendan, <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Uh no. Never seen again. <laughs> yeah. Um but 
for now, just if you're interested in Nordic Lab, for the love of God, look it up because it's just fascinating. I was going to say, th- there's not any possibility that that talk is anywhere online. Apparently, practice will be putting stuff online, but I don't know if that'll just be New York University's. Okay. For New York University. Because that could be interesting for, yeah. for people to grab. And just to explain to people, Nordic LARP is live action role play with a focus on um, uh, essentially more talking and acting and actually stories as opposed to the American LARP of heavily mechanic driven stuff. Mm. Um, and that leads to just the the LARP that people were telling me about is essentially it was um, uh, it was like the gay scene in New York in the 70s or 80s I'm gonna get this wrong so I don't or 60s I literally have no idea which is awful but the thing they did three days of LARPing each day is a Thanksgiving the Thanksgivings were in like for example 78, 79 and 80 so you'd see people and then essentially go away and the next day you came back to LARP your character hadn't seen anyone for a year and then you could do things like ah. essentially HIV has afflicting certain people of the group who do not come back the next year. Wow. Yeah, it's just like holy shit, that's the most incredible thing ever. Anyway, so that's Nordic wow. LARP. I suppose the you know, they were joking how like that lightning bolt clip on YouTube has done more damage to the perception of LARP than anything that they could repair. <laughs> um but yeah, so anyway I saw that. And then I went I was in America and so I went to BGG Con and it was nice. Okay. And I got to meet Board of Life, who are great, incredible people, and um, I just play all kinds of things. Okay, so that leads me to ask, like, you you wrote, uh, everyone should check the site for a post that Quinns wrote, which is three games that really, really appeal to you. From Board Game Geek on, yeah. So Ram- I don't want to, what were they quickly? Rampage, which is again being a big monster and blowing on the board. Tashkala, <laughs> which is by Vlada Fatil, who is our favourite designer, Czech gentleman. Um the abstract game wonderful and quantum which we'll be reviewing soon eric zimmerman's game of um uh rolling dice and taking names in space but yeah uh did you play anything else that was particularly interesting played, or unusual well, i've played i really liked i managed to play mush mush which was farcical um which is the sequel to snow snow tales it's like a yes. limited print run basically i'm going to talk about it as if i was talking about snow tales this is a scottish i think um uk but anyway a set of designers who made a game about essentially husky sled racing um, and it's just such a pain because essentially the only way you have of turning is by making the dogs on the left or the right go faster, which also causes you to drift to the left or right um, and bash into people and avoid trees. Good. And it was just really <laughs> funny. Yeah, it was great. That was marvelous. And so if anyone can hunt down a copy of Snow Tales or Mush Mush on eBay or some site, they probably should because that was great. Are they difficult to get hold of? Uh, well, I know that Mush Mush is like one of those stupid 300 copy print runs because the developers oh, no. are. Uh, yeah, it's just. it's not. I don't want to call it a vanity print run. I don't know why they chose to do that, but it's just like, oh, come on. And I guess Snow Tales is now out of print. Maybe it just didn't That's sell. That's awful, though. Maybe it just didn't sell. No, but the thing I actually should talk about. Um, well. Let's go funny before I talk about okay. something later. We had a funny thing. We, I managed to play pitch car for the first time, and pitch car is this thing where essentially you build a large track out of wooden components. The track, yeah. the track is about a hand width wide, um, a big hand. Yeah, we spread your finger and thumb a little bit, and then you'll be at the. Oops! I've hit the door with my big with your enormous hand. Um, yeah, and you just have a wooden disc, which is your car, and you flick it. And you're trying to get around a track, which has jumps and corners and stuff. Um, and I was playing with the board game life guys, and it was great. Board with life guys. And uh, then people started coming by one after another because pitch car is really popular. And first off, it was a man <laughs> saying, "Ah, oh, well, you can't do that thing." Because Donald was trying to flick a disc between, essentially, between one layer of the track to another to essentially cut a corner, ah. like like it was Mario Kart, and he was having fun. It wasn't very effective. And then this man comes up and he's like, "Oh, you can't really do that." And then we got more and more of an audience. And then eventually, by the end, we just wanted the game to be over because there was like a nine-year-old kid going, oh, no, your car upside- ended up upside down after that flick. That means you have to miss your next two turns. It's just like, I will kill you. <laughs> um, but Pitch Car was good. Uh, uh, Shall I sit down? Fans of Pitch Car, basically. Um, but <laughs> the game, the thing I want to talk about is we went to uh, essentially a party. And I might pronounce his name wrong, but Colby Dow was there. Dow, it's written Douch, but I, I don't know how it's spelled. I don't know. I know who you mean. Good, because he's awesome. He's a wonderful man and looks like Elijah Wood, which I wasn't expecting. Young and handsome and fresh face. He's gorgeous. Holy God. Bright eyes in his pictures. Enormous eyes. Anyway, hairy so. Hairy feet. Um, hairy feet, yeah. What's up? Yeah. Tiny. That was a reference to popular Lord of the Rings movie, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Yes. Was it not? Um, yeah, so we, we went to a party and the sculptor for Mice and Mystics was the guy hosting it. And that was beautiful because I got to see how uh, people sculpt out of resin. With, Have we played Mice, with Mice and Mystics? We yet? haven't, we no. Haven't. Sorry, we should because the miniatures are great. <laughs> um, and it was funny because actually the, the sculpt lose so much detail in the 
in the miniature making process. Yeah. So it was amazing yeah. seeing the raw things. Um, so, but Colby was there, and Colby was demoing Dead of Winter, uh, which is this. I've talked about this in the game teams briefly. Yes, you Plaid have. Hat have announced multiple games in the Crossroads series. Um, which is essentially sort of like semi-cooperative people working together, but tricky psychological nonsense um, that's happening. Uh, and yeah, so hang on, I'm just going to check we're still recording. It's very exciting. So tricky psychological nonsense. We yeah, are, it's fine. Um, and Dead of Winter is the sort of cold zombie one. And it was very cool to see that. It was a prototype, but uh, the people who were playing were having a lot of fun with it. And just really weird interesting stuff hmm. very much like sort of in the archipelago vein you're working together but you have your own objective and one of you might just want everyone to fail but unlike archipelago um the, i mean it, there were lots of features i could talk about as, as far as running a zombie camp goes lots of different scenarios yeah great a cool deck of what's called crossroads cards where on your turn the player to your left will hold a card and which might have a triggering thing like if you have the dog in the gas station you draw a card and this happens so like that character you picked who's a vietnam veteran might um hear a gunshot while he's at the police station and suddenly have um a flashback and then your character will go stop and your turn takes on this massive story driven thing and you're gonna have to make a decision does your character kill himself or does he go and start shooting up other people in the location where does this kind of story come from is it something it's a deck of it's a, no it's a huge deck of well you're sending characters to different locations and looking for things yeah but there's a huge deck of story cards which um players draw and you may or may not trigger them on your turn mm-hmm. so that character of yours who's a mother might see their child and then you might lose her because she's off protecting the school for the rest of the game or maybe she burns down the school meaning none of us can look in the school for anything for the rest of the game wow um yeah really unexpected handbrake turns in what would other and these are all narrative twists that yeah, kind of come out a of this massive deck massive deck of cards huge which was really exciting and archipelago of course doesn't have that the story comes from the players you know what that kind of reminds me of what's that uh the storytelling map making game that we looked at a little while ago oh what um which i've now forgotten the, RPG? the name of the ma- um, uh, um, with the seasons and the frost giant. yeah 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 the uh a quiet a quiet year <laughs> yeah it by kind joe mcgarno yes it reminds me of uh pulling drawing cards and asking you questions yeah not dissimilar um although less open-ended kind of encouraging mm. the players to figure but just very much here's what's happened but that's interesting did you like it being less open-ended well i didn't play it i was watching it being played um and but one thing that did happen that i found really interesting is so players all have these secret objectives which might be hoard all the food or make sure people players fail the game but you can vote to exile people at any point and this is great so like if paul's being really difficult maybe you're being difficult because you need to stop our guns whatever it sounds like me. Yeah, um, and so you're not that interested in the colony because you have a really difficult objective. And we think, oh, no, he wants us to fail. Let's vote to exile him. We all vote. You get thrown out. You then can't enter the section of the board, which is like our camp, and you have to orbit. your characters have to orbit the board looking for food for themselves and stuff for the rest of the game. Very difficult. But also, <laughs> when you get thrown out, you get dealt a new objective, which is an exiled objective. And that's going to be different depending... So you, you've ignored your stockpiling guns thing. And that's going to be different depending on whether you really were the betrayer or whether you weren't. So essentially, like, if you weren't the betrayer, you draw your exiled objectives and maybe it's like, they threw you out, you're going to get your revenge now because that was unfair and you're going to burn them down! Um, or, if you were the betrayer, maybe it's maybe it's that. Or maybe it's something like, you've seen the error of your ways, it's cold out here, now you want to protect them and you spend the rest of the game having... Your new objective is to build barricades around the central location. Wow. But there's, again, a huge deck of these... Ex- of, of possibilities. These. Yeah, and so basically the game's just... And the characters you play with are going to be different. So much variety in that box. I'm so excited wow. for it to come out next year. So that's Dead of Winter from Plaid Hat and that, okay. was, that was definitely a highlight. That does seeing, sound unusual. Seeing a prototype being played. Yeah, and plus, um, they were talking about how they're going to do essentially voting for the new settings so it's not going to be zombies it's hopefully going to be something more interesting but the ideas they've got for the new crossroads games that will come out in the future are wonderful colby was telling me a couple of them and i don't think i should spoil them so yeah let's move rude on. yeah rude um any other particularly exciting or very memorable texas experiences the weirdest thing about board game geek con was they had all these physical games like a crocodile and uh, other things but also stuff people had made in their garage and often with no manuals so when you're walking between the room where the publishers are and the room where you play games there was like you'd pass these things which looked like sort of wooden construction sets like a ball hanging from a string wow. spray painted and just, and it was like I was joking with Mike our programmer that it's like this is some of these just look like the constructs of man <laughs> like, <laughs> like I've figured it out come and look in my garret do you see the ball and it swings <laughs> and these are all like jury 
rigged, custom-made yeah, guys' there, idea yes. for a game. Yeah, and it, but like physical games involving bl- bricks or magnets or like using strings to oh, flick discs. To, but when there's no manual, and it, some of these didn't look like games at all, even though they were, it does just look like uh, like uh, you know a hobo has cobbled together something. Uh, and on a meth binge, and it's that was that was a highlight of the trip. Just looking at these because they were fun; they're all fun. But it was just laughing at how they look like. The one the last thing I'll cover then is that I also played Dungeon Fighter. Oh right! Um, and Dungeon Fighter was uh, was pretty funny. Dungeon Fighter is a game I've wanted to try for a while. Gently disappointed by it, but only because I expected it to be incredible. This is a physical game where you you're all heroes running into a dungeon, and there's a big sort of dartboard thing flat on the table yeah and you on your turn you can bounce a dice onto this dartboard and that's how much damage you deal to the deal to the monster but you have to bounce the dice the, the dice basically has to hit the table then essentially roll onto the dartboard but then you get weapons which are things like do it with your eyes closed oh you're fighting a medusa you have to throw the dice from under the table uh, well, i had a sword of friendship which was where i couldn't throw the dice myself i had to put them in my hand and then mike was throwing them was using, was gripping my arm and throwing oh them. my goodness but then you do things like if you're if you're fighting like we fought i can't even remember a skeleton or something where we had to throw dice under our legs but uh, this sounds brilliant well we've we've enjoyed catacombs we've enjoyed cube quest Yes. This sounds very much like it. Yeah, well, that's what I thought, because physical games have always been a, a hit for us. But the, the truth was, it was just kind of so much of it. Like, 70... Like, it's funny when you have the item or the monster that makes it ridiculous, but then so many other monsters are normal, so many other weapons and items are normal. And it's like 70% of that game is just trying to roll a dice onto a crosshairs. You would like it to be a bit more silly, maybe? Yeah, I would. And I guess you could do that by culling the monster decks to only leave the funny ones in, or maybe... I know they're planning four expansions, so each themed around a different element. So uh, maybe with them it'll become absurd, or maybe they'll do the wrong thing and make it kind of more tactical with more decisions for the party to make. It was interesting, but and I would still potentially buy it just for the possibility that your friend is trying to throw your... Is your, there's a dice in your hand, and your friend is trying to grip your arm and get it onto the table, but you're both under the table. So if you if you did buy it and had it, you would do the kind of the deck culling thing, I guess. Yeah, you and would. pull out the boring monsters, yeah. and pulling out the boring items, and just. But you see, this goes back to me just saying, you know, customize your board games. Hey, I'm bit. all for customizing board games. I'm just saying, don't do it by yourself, drunk. You know, alone. I could play that probably planes. by myself. <laughs> Paul, what are, you, what, Paul, are you under the table again? <laughs> yeah, I, type thing. Yeah, that, I'm not even joking. Uh, I got a, well, got, what's next? Did get a game of uh, two rooms and a boom in, and oh, uh, yeah. which was great because the designers were there, and I met them, and they were lovely, um, and uh, very grateful for. It's done very well on Kickstarter. It too. has, um, which is awesome. I'm so glad to see them doing well. And they were there, and they were playing a game, and they pulled out loads of roles, and that was funny for a couple of reasons. The first of which was Colby played, and Colby got the mime who can't speak. So it's like Colby, Colby, come and play this game. Have you heard of it? It's called Two Rooms and a Boom. Okay, you can't speak for 15 minutes. <laughs> And he was just like sat in the corner. Um, that was that was funny. Uh, and but that was also an interesting game because I found out after playing and being like, "Oh, everyone, see how good it is! See how I was right to talk about it in the podcast yeah, last yeah. week." Found out one of the players was the creator of the Resistance, and another oh. one heads up indie boards and cards who were publishing Resistance. And uh, so it was weird for me to be like, and I was just drinking and going, "This game has totally removed." <laughs> Resistance. I don't want to play it anymore. I'm bored of it. And then the, oh. the creator was right there. So uh, don't drink and go to board game conventions if you're a board game journalist. Don't leave your the... house. Don't ever leave don't your leave house. Don't leave your house. Just uh. order stuff on the internet. You can get food delivered now. And now the shut up and sit down sweat lodge. Oh, it's very hot. Oh, it's so hot. The questions. We're in. We're here in the sweat lodge. Ah, oh, it's hot. Mm. There's only one question in the sweat lodge this week because usually we ask, and I'm starting to feel bad that every three weeks we get a hundred questions and we answer. We, like, we we get a load of them and then uh, we finish and then they just keep coming. Yeah. So the days. So we're, we've just we're going to pick the best one we received last week that we didn't answer because it came in too late. And I really like this one. Yeah, I know this is awesome. So Matthew Cox asks. Um, if you could, and I'm, we don't have the question in front of us, so we're trying to remember it. So we've probably got the wording wrong. It's but, fine. It's yeah. fine. Do you want to do you want to tell people the question? Okay. Yeah. The question was uh, paraphrased largely along the lines of, "If you could live in the world of any board game, which would it be?" Mm. I've got and immediately... at least six. What's your, <laughs> what's your first? My first? Um, that wait, you've got them, and I don't, and you're asking me. Why don't you give me your first? Uh, tease. Tease. 
The, no, the no, liberating game for no, couples and adults. No, actually, that was a joke, and I don't want to live in the world of tears because that is the opposite of the world that I want to live if in. If you haven't read our, uh, myself and Lee Alexander's review of Tease, the liberating game for couples and adults, you should definitely Google that. Because it's one of the best of things we've ever published. And actually, like, interesting as far as how sexuality in games can... That was weird. It's just... It, just rude. This is very it's rude. Just rude. <laughs> it is a rude game. Do this. I don't want to do that. Why would I want lick, to do that? Lick the cheek of the player to your left. And that is one of the most mild cards it is. in it. Yes. And it just doesn't sound like any fun. No, not tease. Uh, Dixit. You live in the world of Dixit. Not Dixit. Not because you. Because okay, I thought I was ready weird. to like mount a weird. You, so you want to sat. Do you want to sit looking at a mouse playing a snake like a flute? It's kind of that's what my life is, is the world of dicks. It's a series of abstract moments that I don't really understand. And that <laughs> with reflection and interpretation may make some sense, but ultimately they're just unconnected moments. Um, what about the... Uh, I'm just trying to think. The world of Keyflower, or, which is technically, I guess, the key universe. It's just like, it's... Crossover. What was, how did Lee describe it? It's winsome. Yeah. Like it's you know you look at the the player screen because player screens in Keyflower are really cute they're all little houses and they're all custom and you know from the outside what other players can see is you know a house but Keyflower is so generous with its art I love that about it um, and then from the inside you can see your screen you can see the furniture and the dog, dog and the fireplace and the fire. yeah and the mantelpiece and the pots yeah and... and it's so detailed and it's just like you'd never look at it but it's there it's a lovely is that one that you pick well it seems like a nice place doesn't it is it one that you pick maybe it's a little boring because it's just working. I'm not, I'm not there's not much food I quite in like it, it really I mean it's not like it's not if you lived in that universe you'd be working in a stone mill forever do you want a game with a lot of food in yeah a la carte a la carte no have you seen the food tiles in a la carte it's like but, I mean obviously if you're in the game world a smoking octopus and a coffee on a plate if you're in the world it's real food so if you're in the world well no because the people in the world are mad <laughs> So I wouldn't want to oh, be mad. Okay. okay. Um, you said you had six. Are they all comedy that, well, answers? That was, no, no. Okay. What's Some your give? A, give a real one. A real one is possibly Carcassonne because I actually like. Don't laugh. You want to stand in a field forever. I want to. I can lay in a field or lie. stand on a road. I <laughs> I like green verdant. I like castles and it's got castles and nice t- scenery and bridges and rivers and you can So hang around. on hang on hang on. It's basically a holiday. Given given the unlimited in possibilities France. of of living in any board game universe, however wild or fantastical it is, you would go to France. It's got that medieval the thing is... If we I, can go to France! If we do... Stretch goal, Paul and Quinn go to France. I wouldn't mind going to Carcassonne, it'd be very nice. Oh, we should go to Carcassonne and review, uh, like, Tash Kalar, And not talk about Carcassonne. But the thing, if it's something sort of... I was thinking, okay, the, the, another possible one is Twilight Imperium. Either high fantasy or space opera, but they'd be so dangerous. Yeah, well, you, you're going to be... In Twilight Imperium, your planet's probably going to be invaded. You're going to yeah. be, like, bombed. Or you pressed into it's the like Navy. It's like biological weapons in TI. But, you know... It, it, what about... Okay, okay. what mm. about Descent, then? Because you're a fantasy hero, but you never die. <laughs> you just get knocked down and, holes, and fall stand down back holes up. over and over but and imagine, over again. But I bet the world of, of Descent is nice if you're not an adventurer. Like, what if you were just, like, a man with a sword and you're pretty cool? I don't know. I'm not sure. But a you lot don't of, actually go out and kill things. You I just think like, if you... I don't know, Quinns. I think if you really deconstruct a lot of high fantasy, it becomes horrible for most people. <laughs> And this is this is the thing that I always loved about the old Baldur's Gate video games because I thought they did this, and you know, like Watchmen did this for superheroes. Oh, what I, make it? Wait, what did Baldur's Gate do to make adventurers seem? In Baldur's Gate two, just everyone is sad and everyone has a bad time, and all the people <laughs> who were pairs in the first game have lost the other half of their pair. Oh god! And yeah. like the palette is just brown everywhere, and every it's just got the most emo opening ever but that's a video game <clears throat> uh descent would just be like if you're that hero and you're dying silly. over and over but you're again. not dying you get knocked down and descent, the 50th... second edition you get knocked out nothing can kill you which is pretty really? awesome okay. but, and like if nothing can kill you i mean it'd be painful but you could learn to be a hero by trial and error but do you not think you would end up with a lot of very haggard old people who are so scarred weary and, and so mentally damaged yeah i guess well why do you, it does explain the look a in lot. their eyes as the club comes towards them the hundredth <laughs> time it, lo- it explains a lot about descent that these heroes are just running around murdering things because they've been knocked out like 400 so they're pretty brain damaged um, let me look at my shelves. Four heroes. What else have I got? Okay. Um, um, the world of Kingsburg. 
Yeah, Paul is <laughs> gripping his teeth. And... No, but it's you have a nice house. You can live in the Griffin stables, and there are goblins outside. But it's okay because the walls are, have enough points. I imagine and... that is just a game of social climbing. Like you'd be at court, and you'd be constantly trying to meet the most important people so you could get the best stuff. Done. I thought we'd be spoiled for choice with this question. I thought board games are also you know lovely and prevent such appealing fantasies on your table. That okay, what about? Um... I'm sorry, am I ruining this? Kinda. Uh, I'm just realizing that cube quest. Cube. You just sat there and suddenly you fly across. The <laughs> you just get catapulted into the air, never to be seen again. Which is like, um, and then later you're eaten by a dog. I would live in the world of Netrunner. I knew you'd say that. Well, I just I'm looking around. It occurred to me, like it's cool. It's day after tomorrow. I can like play awesome video games and VR. Corporations are bad, but the runners take care of them. So, and there are like cyborgs, and you can go to the moon. It's cool. It's all good. It's all good on the moon. Um, <laughs> bad vibes. On the, no bad vibes on the moon. Uh, I need to say Netrunner though. I'm not knocking that necessarily. I'm, I'm looking over there, it. and I'm seeing all these historical games. I'm like, oh, I would live in the world of 1812 or I'm, Virgin Queen. I constantly think it's just our world. Found, found strangled outside exploded house. Yeah, which is a card in Virgin Queen. Real person. Ghost Stories is pretty good. No, Ghost Stories is full of horrible I'm ghosts. To, the thing is, I keep coming up with blasted Cthulhu-related games. Which you obviously oh, you no don't one, want to live in, no one in wants Lovecraft. That. No one wants that. <clears throat> so in answer, I think we've... Okay, we've, we've, exa- we have an we've exhaustively answered this. If we could live in any board game world, we wouldn't do it. We'd live in ours. Because it turns out board games are horrible. If but you think about any of them for long this enough... This is it. This is what I said. Carcassonne. It's yeah. Nice. It's nice. nice. It would be, yeah, let's go to Carcassonne. Okay. Uh, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and now presenting the shut up and sit down game of the month of the podcast because every three weeks there's more than one in a month sometimes aren't there an unexpected game of the month it's a game that neither of us love but we haven't uh, played that much but we thought it would be super interesting to talk about because we've never talked about it and that game a game is kept sorry that game. I mean, I didn't. That game. I'm sorry. Is Mansions okay. of Madness. Ugh. If you haven't played Mansions, it is a very interesting design set in the sort of Lovecraft universe. Um, one player is the keeper and controls all of the evil in the world, apparently. And other players are on this exploring essentially a beautiful modular house or, or crypt or school or whatever the, the scenario you're playing is. Five scenarios in the box, and you don't even know what your objective is. You essentially run in, you run into rooms, you draw clues, uh, things, monsters might appear, you might have to shoot them or beat them to death. You can hide, you can barricade doors, things can catch fire. It is essentially a board game trying to be a sort of robust simulation, or... A, sort of, yeah. Of, of, being, of going mad in a house. <laughs> yes, of going, yeah, of going mad in a house. We have thought about covering it a bunch of times as well haven't we it's always been like at the top of a secret list that we have yeah and we might film this we might write this and somehow now we're receiving so many board games for review that it's difficult to justify going which is weird because they're still releasing expansions and it's still very much supported the thing is i mean yeah i i I always feel really underwhelmed by it immediately if you haven't heard of mansions of madness people i would just very quickly before the next 15 minutes or while you're listening just bring up a Google image search for it because it's gorgeous is probably something we should say. It's The yeah. miniatures are huge. Like, the rooms are so beautifully illustrated. There's tons of cards and tokens. It's... Oh, God, I'm remembering all the stuff in it now. It's a typical... It's kind of the, not atypical. It is almost like the Fantasy Flight flagship game. Fantasy Flight being this publisher who generally go all out on putting lots of stuff in the box and making it expensive stuff and very good quality stuff and then the game itself is wild and tells a story usually yes which is also a common thing with fantasy not always but yes very often Um, and so of course the story they're telling here is 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 present but the thing that they did do which isn't necessarily in character for them is um absolute mad experimentation they i think they really were trying to do something very special with this and the thing that I've just remembered in it are the puzzles. Yes. So if you're trying to, if your investigator is trying to, like, say, uh, unlock, pick a lock, pick a lock um, or rewire a cable or, or figure out a secret rune thing, you're given a puzzle, which is like, might be a sliding block puzzle or a flip tiles puzzle made out of these tiles or something you rotate. Real physical thing in front of you. And then you have 30 seconds or whatever. And your character's intelligence determines how many moves you can do. 
And then once you're done, you cover it with a piece of paper. And so characters on later turns who might be smarter, or, or you can just stay there, can try and do it. Mm. Which is really cool when you're doing it's it a, at the It's table. A, like a Space Cadet-style minigame. Yeah, really. but, but, you know, if you've got an axe man literally running down the corridor towards you, and you're trying to turn on the lights, turn on the lights. Oh god, no, I'm too stupid to rewire the lights. I'm going to hide in this box. And then there are all these decks of cards that, rather than just roll a dice, you succeed or fail, it has a deck of cards, so like... Let's say Paul has a shotgun, he bursts in to kill the madman. We then draw a card, and it, and it says, you know, rather rather than you aim the shotgun, it might just be uh, the it, the thing you versus humanoid. It's like the person grabs the shotgun before you got a shot off. You try and hit him with it, roll strength. But actually your character's like some secretary woman who has great marksmanship but terrible strength. And so he rips the shotgun out of your hands, and you couldn't have predicted that, but it tells, again, a beautiful story. We're making it sound really exciting, which it's, I'm kind it, of... I don't feel comfortable about that. So Paul and I kind of... Is, sorry? Though. I was just... Though, just, yeah. Though. Um, there was a comma, but Paul, the comma was really big. It was like a huge... Like a, like the ink sorry. fell over. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Paul and I feel differently because of one big bone of contention, um, which I, I used to feel the same way as Paul, and now I've come around. So Mansions... Ha- well, I'll explain. Mansions <laughs> has five scenarios, doesn't it? Yes, out the box. The original uh, thing without expansions, which I think add more scenarios. Yeah, they do. Each one adds like three. So an expansion essentially, they've made it so they can be a bit tweaked by the keeper. And so it's a bit not what you expect. Yes. Um, uh, Each time. But basically, for mansions to be proper 100% mansions, you need to be going into a scenario blind. And, okay, well now you explain. You don't think this is good value for money. I don't really. uh, Because Mansions of Madness comes with a whole bunch of miniatures and it comes good miniatures good quality miniatures comes with a whole bunch of large board sections uh, a lot of them quite you know unique you're playing one of those scenarios you have to get the stuff out for that scenario yeah the setup for this game is what 40 minutes maybe oh yeah well that's that's a separate thing which is interesting the keeper who you know is is playing everything else in the game except for all the player characters has to prepare the board beforehand and uh, make sure tokens every down. item is in the right place. Make sure everything's which, in the right place. All these tiny cards. Decks are sorted because lo- there are lots of decks associated with particular actions or places mm-hmm, and they have mm-hmm. to be prepared. Uh, and all that is one scenario and then you might have a whole bunch of different stuff that you use for a completely different scenario that which goes back explains in the why it's a big kind of expensive box of things because you've got so many unique parts. It's very much a sort of, um, a pre- not a prestige project, but it's just a... It a, is a, a bit. It's an absurd thing. Like... Fantasy Flight can do it because they're so important. But if you if you came to me and you'd never published a board game and said, this is the board game that I'm going to make, and I looked at the components and the design of it, I would say, you're mad, make one yeah. thing that works. But Fantasy Flight have the money and the, the freedom. And the audience, the, the creative freedom and the audience. Yeah, good point, um, to be able to do that. The thing is, it's just, there's five of these scenarios. I've played a couple of them more than once. There is an element of difference when you play it a second time. Yeah, and it's less good. I mean, we can say that, right? Well, I I think so. I think that once you've played it, even though if you play it again uh, and a few things are different, it's not going to be different enough. Yeah, and this is the Achilles heel of mansions. It's so based around discovery as opposed to... Well, there's a couple of things. So first off, I'm just going to kind of... I've been thinking about this, and I'm going to kind of rebuke it. Because first off, it's not five scenarios necessarily. If you own the game, it's maybe ten because what you could do if your friends are gamers is you can play each scenario for the first time as the investigator. Mm-hmm. So it's a mystery for you. And then if you've got enough friends, you can play it a second time as the keeper. And you get to be in control of all those moving parts. Um, and if you have enough games, a big enough pool, and your friends are comfortable with being the keeper, then you could do that. So Potentially. Maybe it's ten. So maybe you'll probably get more than five plays at least. Maybe. And, you know, obviously you can play it more times. But the thing that really got to me is like I I always tell people at Twilight Imperium you might get it to the table. Twilight Imperium is this huge absurd space opera Massive game space that we opera love. thing that takes all afternoon, all, all day, all day. Yeah, um, and we love it. And you only get it to the table maybe once a year, but that's okay because it's such an event, and it's such an event for so many people. It's just I once you've played your copy two or three times, I feel like you know it's it's paid for itself because it's such an absurd day. You know, it's great, and um, you'll remember it for the rest of your life. Uh, and mansions, it's like actually, I look at a lot of my games and uh, games that I might only play two or three or four times because some people are just like that. And for that, mansions is good. Like cramming all of your yeah. I'm you sorry, see, Paul and I are very different uh, people at home <laughs> because uh, because you play games a lot. Sometimes I play the same game a lot, 
Um, Whereas I'm always about new stuff and expansions, and you actually will, you know, find a game you love and really give it the time it deserves, right? There, I, I mean, a... there's well, the thing is with both of us, there's kind of that there's crossover. You play Netrunner yeah. loads, and yeah. I like, but I that's do because like to try new things. it's because they keep releasing new cards for it that tweak every month and a half. Twenty new cards come along that just tweak everyone's game, and you know, gently, and then you get the large expansion. The thing with Twilight Imperium is, I know that the next time I play it, it's going to be completely different. Right. Probably forever. And the thing with mansions is, I know that's not going to happen if I try a scenario again. And it do- doesn't feel to me just if I'm thinking with my wallet as the, the most sort of fun. Well, no, but then again, doing but gaming. if you're thinking with your wallet, technically though, mansions is priceless because nothing does what it does. No. Nah. I well, I'm also probably biased by. The feeling that every time I've played it, it's been fine, but I've not been really excited. It's been, been quite nice. No, but I I've found not had it a great really. Time. Yeah, that's 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 fair. And actually, the other problem that I would point out is that it does not work as a competitive game. It, the the investigators all have to work very hard and be very smart to yeah. to beat whatever their objective is. The when scenarios they are quite it. tough. Certainly, the yeah. ones I played. And in my experience, the keeper can always essentially force the players to lose. Like the keepers, the keeper, if they use their cards right, if they meticulously lock certain doors or put enemies in certain hallways, the keeper will win. And I've talked to my friend who's played it even more than me, and he he agrees, yeah. So he says that the keeper's job is really just to tell a story and to have fun and to mm. provide a difficulty, almost like a games master in a yes. role-playing game. And that is disappointing because it means it the game flat out fails at what it offers, which is an entirely competitive experience. Because if that happens, then the keeper's just going to flatten you. Until you play that scenario multiple times and the investigators know what they have to do. But then the game's less fun because it loses yeah. its surprise. I just feel like you're coming around to my side now. No, I, I like it. The more distance I get from it. Because we came to it essentially when we were new to Shut Up as a Down and went, oh, this is cool. Yes, And now true. I've realised, no, nothing else has come out like that. There is nothing. There is nothing like Mansions. It's just, it's the boldest experiment in storytelling. I'm fine with that. I'm fine that there's nothing out there like it because I don't want to try anything else like it. Do you remember when you and I played (laughs) and you were like, I I remember one of my funniest board game experiences ever when you're, uh, you were playing a, um, some kind of gangster with a Tommy gun and you rattled two two pistols. Joe Diamond. Because I have the Joe Diamond voice. Uh, Do it for people. Joe Diamond. Yeah. Don't do that. That is... Acting. That, that's acting. So, but yeah, you ran into a shed. You're like, I'm going to see what's in the shed. And you're going to see what's in the shed. You, oh, Jesus Christ. You run in, and then I had like a Migo come crawling through the vent. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, see? And you tried to shoot it, and it like, it. I can't even remember what happened. It took your guns away, and you were firing wildly, and then the lights went out, and then the shed caught fire. <laughs> and then you ran out of the shed with no weapons anymore. And the Migo just scuttled back into a vent. But it was hilarious because like, the whole table was crying with laughter because for their characters, essentially, they see Joe walk into the shed. They hear some gunshots, some swearing, an explosion, and Joe comes running out, not carrying anything anymore. And no one even saw what attacked you, like, thematically. It's good. I feel more excited about getting that experience from a tabletop role-playing game, though. Why? Mm, yeah, but... Mm, I do. Well, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, that kind of taking the wind out of my sails. I was th- I think this could be like a debate. So I'm not saying maybe that, that was a bad experience. It was fun, but I I, I... What do you what do you, what would you look for? Would you look for more actual game, more crunch, more sort of like investigators and keeper outplaying one another? I'd look for more approaches to th- more scenarios or more ways to solve scenarios. Uh more like more randomization, I guess. More randomization because it's pretty uh, I, do you mean like you would if it was like Betrayal at the House on the Hill where essentially you start and the mansion is created randomly I'd like more <coughs> of that yeah. total nonsense. I'd like more of that kind of thing of maybe all of us don't know exactly what's going to happen there are things that surprise the keeper as well well oh my god I was uh, talking to the board with Life Guys about Betrayal at the House on the Hill which is a very silly game that we looked yes. at recently which is uh, essentially you explore a house randomly and it's very boring. It's the worst game. Essentially, the board game setup is a 25-minute game where you're all walking, trudging through this horrible mansion and weird, spooky stuff happens and then eventually... Ding! Yeah, exactly. One of you is revealed as the betrayer and uh, that you open the book and... uh, You have like one of 60 different mini-missions. And and obviously, you do not read that book if you buy the game because you want them all to be a surprise. But 
the best one of the best things I did at BGGCon was talking about that game with the board with life people and just describing what we'd found, what happened in our games, and just crying with laughter at stuff that had happened. Like in they, I jo- they they said something like um we were talking about it and they were like oh yeah that game where like you know you roll a dice and a giant bird carries the house off and I laughed and then went <laughs> oh and they went no we're serious in their game a giant bird <laughs> picked up the house there was no betrayer and they all had to find parachutes and then jump out the door. And they were saying that was so funny because one character was by the door with a parachute when the scenario began and immediately just by and leapt out, which was beautiful because just, you can see how that would play out if, if you film it, if you shoot it. In yeah, your head. yeah. It's just like in the, one of the players going, we're going to have to find parachutes. And in the background of that shot, you can see one character pick up a parachute and just leave. Bill, we're going to have to find parachute, Bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, so that is a game that doesn't work and yet has kind of, it, it's so unbalanced and yeah, so absurd. Yeah, well this is true. If you start randomizing a lot of elements, things fall apart. And like but that has earned a place in our heart, like I would say. Like if someone wanted to buy Betrayal, you wouldn't necessarily say don't do it. If they want something silly and light, right? Yes, it's a game that I would I have mixed feelings about. So but but clearly you feel better about it than you do about mansions. So what would it's, mansions need to to it could be cheaper over? as well? I know that sounds really uh, maybe um, tight fisted, but a thing a thing we've both always been aware of when we've reviewed stuff as well. And this is the thing we said about Arkham Horror: was we said Arkham Horror is not great. It's not bad. You can have fun. It's quite good, but it's, but so it's quite big and expensive and yeah, long. Yeah, and, and mansions is big and expensive, and similarly, it has a massive setup time and it has variable length. It might not work. I guess it's just for the money you're paying, it needs to be luxurious and it's not. Whereas Betrayal is cheap. And so it doesn't matter that it doesn't work. This is it. And I, I'm really aware of, you know, that, that people are thinking about how much money they want to spend. Will they want to spend 20 or 40 or 60 pounds or dollars on a game? Um, and so for something like Mansions, I would I would say, yeah, I, I think Jonathan Ross is a fan of Mansions of Madness. And Jonathan Ross has a lot of money because he's a British TV <laughs> presenter. So it's less of an issue. But yeah. You know, I, I, I very much accept that everyone in the world might walk into a shop with a certain amount of money to spend, and I'd, I'd not um, say to, I'd not say go to M under the ch- um, that no library sort of stuff by. I don't know what I'm saying. I, Basically, you lost don't. Me. Basically, okay. don't. <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess it's like yeah. By Mansions of Madness is this sort of like absurd luxury product that doesn't quite work, like a Bugatti Veyron or something, where it's just. Uh, you know, and so if you have the money and board games for you are a luxury, then it's a cool thing to own and you have the space in your house. But if board games for you are a hobby and a passion and you make it work even though you don't have that much money to spend, then Mansions is a terrible thing to buy. You know what? This is a really weird analogy. Yeah. But what it reminds me of is kind of people who buy tanks that have been decommissioned because they're really expensive to run and they're, they're like the you mean fuel, real tanks yeah fuel consumption like oh I'll buy an armoured car that'll be fun what does it do does four miles to the gallon great <laughs> but if you're that kind of person and you want to have an armoured car and put your friends in it and they go oh, it's quite cold <laughs> But no, 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 this is totally unfair because Mansions is like a cool creative experiment. Like it does so much it doesn't have to do it. It pushes the boundaries of like just tons of stuff. Drawing cards for like critical wounds, players going mad and killing themselves or killing each other. I think you could put all those into another game. You could, but other games aren't doing that, you know? It's just Mm. Mansions that's doing it and therefore it deserves the kudos for doing it. When I played... I was able to have it so it's the keeper. They turned out the investigators had to get like a crystal skull out of the house or a skull. I think it was just a regular skull. And I, but, and you know, I could have essentially beaten them, but I didn't. I let them think they were just going to win. And they were running and the corridor was on fire. And at the last second, I had a character go mad. And essentially, as the one character was like, let's go, let's go, let's go to the front door. And all this, just in the final turn of the game, that his friend, another player, turns and locks the front door. And then they had like a fight in a flaming room, and they died and choked to death. And it was it was it was beautiful. It's interesting, although it feels a little manufactured that you did it that way to me. Well, no, it is the keep, but this it's got that in common with role playing. You know, the games master's manu- manufactured drama. I suppose so. I mean, I don't know. As don't a games master, you you you've games mastered how many times where have the players like when you're rolling your dice behind the screen, the players should have died and you didn't. Not that often. Mm. I like it. I like being surprised. As a games master, I like not knowing everything that's going to happen. Hmm. But whereas as the keeper, you do know what's going to happen entirely. You know a lot more, don't you? Yeah, I suppose you don't know if a character's going to break his leg or not. So yeah, man. I mean, I, st- I, I still respect you as a person. 
I want you to know that, okay. but I just I thanks, don't know where you're coming that. from on this. Okay, wow, that was brutal. No, it's not brutal. It was nice. It's and, not brutal. And on that bombshell, it's not brutal. I'm not being brutal. <laughs> yeah, that's I don't want the podcast to end with people going away thinking I'm a brutal person. That's what you said last night, and you just I'm still the bruises are God. Um, what the the question? What board game universe do you want? To, I don't want to live in this universe anymore. So really? I'll just go to anyone. I don't care. Um, the Masquerade uh, Universe. No, that'd be complicated. I was thinking about citadels, and that'll also be complicated. Um, we're looking around the room again, ladies don't, and gentlemen. Don't. Maybe, maybe you need a holiday. Maybe you need to go to the cave and just take some photos and bring a sandwich. And bring a sandwich. That's kind of a nice holiday. The cave. Yeah, it's nicer than cave. I don't want no all the squeezes and like spelunking. You don't have to do that because you get victory points for taking photos and exploring. You don't have to go through the squeezes. So. That's almost as bad as Carcassonne. Go anywhere in the world and I go to a cave. Well, you wouldn't want to get a pandemic. No, I guess not. Uh, do you want to say <laughs> goodbye to everybody? Oh, no, 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 wait. We have to do an outro. Uh, we, we? we Kind of. Because everybody, we were so... We asked you to review the podcast the other week and we just exploded up the yes, charts. Yes, um, thank you. That did so well. We went way up the podcast charts. We got loads of uh, hopefully new reading? recommendations hits on uh, iTunes. Yeah. So if you're listening to if you have access to iTunes or you're listening to this on an iDevice, please 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 do review the podcast and uh, and yeah, you'll push us up above Gardener's Question Time again. Wow. Which would be nice. Yes, it it really makes a big difference when people review us, when they share us, when they pop us on Reddit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything like that, please do. Uh, so, yeah, if you are listening, then just uh, shut up and sit down with a friend. Um, okay, I'm good to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to go. I'm going to, okay, you can go. I'm going to look at my body and say, there has to be a universe that we want to live in. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye.